episode 93, Brian Provost and Troy Thibodeau. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. We're talking about powerful cultural norms on today's episode with executives from one of our show partners, an incredible people-first workplace that helps their clients do just that, lead people-first workplaces. We've got CEO of Ascentis, Brian Provost, and CMO of Ascentis, Troy Thibodeau, with me today, and we're going to dissect the Ascentis culture and share the story of how it came to be and how it lives loudly today. So here we go. So excited to be with two leaders from our partner organization, Ascentis, on today's Gut Plus Science episode. We are going to understand the journey to becoming these thriving Ascentis that they are today, where people love to come to work. Truly, every time I interact with someone at Ascentis, all of the people we've heard from so far, I mean, they just truly love what they're doing, and it's neat to see. Ascentis is a, is a people-first workplace, and not only that, but they help build people-first workplaces in the work that they do every day. So perfectly aligned organization to be a partner on this show. And today we get to hear from the CEO and CMO. I'm so excited. And I want to learn more about their five cultural norms that are really the backbone of the company and how they've built this thriving culture. So we're going to hear all about it. Let's get to it. So Troy, how do you define organizational culture and how does employee engagement intersect? Well, thanks, Nikki. We define culture as a set of shared beliefs in how we want to behave at Ascentis. And what we've found, Brian and I working a number of times together, is that when you can create a common set of beliefs amongst your team, it both creates great community and it creates strong engagement. And we know it works because um, in several of the businesses, including Ascentis, that we've done this with, we've been recognized as the best place to work with really strong engagement scores. Brian, you know, when it comes to living out this culture, one of the things that you have learned over time is how important it is to hire for cultural fit, making sure that that's aligned first. Can you share how you guys are doing that? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's around, you know, you got to define the cultural norms and be living them and breathing them in every single day. But we, we start by incorporating them with what we call placemats. Placemats define our cultural norms a uh, very succinct way. And we provide those right from the recruiting up front. I mean, they're on the website, but they're also um, given to an individual before they even get into an interviewing process. And and these questions are asked by, they'll interview with seven to eight people during the process. And every one of those interviews is looking for cultural fit. So it's incorporated throughout the entire process. And we also, quite frankly, I interview every single person that comes into the organization. And I do this, um, and Troy and I have worked together now, as he mentioned, in four companies. And and I've, I've done this in all those organizations where I've interviewed the last interview. It may just be 15 minutes. It may be a little bit longer, depending on the role. But one of the first questions I ask them is, which court cultural norm do you like best? And uh, more often than not, they already have all of the five memorized. And, uh, and they'll go on to describe which one they like best. So when I first started with the organization and we first defined the cultural norms, there are many candidates that would get to the end of the process and perhaps not even know what our cultural norms are. So by me, putting myself in the process and making sure that they know what cultural norms are by the time they get to me is greatly important. And, and quite frankly, what we're ultimately hoping for is that candidates make a decision. You know, this, this culture is so well-defined that I'm going to choose to be a part of it 
or choose not to be a part of it. And that's when you know you have it dialed in pretty well. And we're going to get to the five cultural norms um, here in the show. But let's uh, talk for a second, Troy, on, you know, the key ingredients of a healthy and thriving culture from like a macro perspective. What have you learned over your journey are those key ingredients? Well, for starters, I'm going to say that the ingredients are not the exact same ingredients in each of the businesses that we've been in. When we arrive and, and in every one of the businesses, there's already been a business we find that there is some elements of a culture that already exists. And our goal is to figure out how do we look at what ingredients we believe are the right ingredients with what exists and figure out how to amplify that. So, so they have been a little bit different, although I do think that there are some commonalities between the ingredients we found in each business. One thing that I, I will tell you that is a key ingredient to the creation of these cultural norms is how do you make them memorable? So that when you walk up to folks any given day in an office or you meet one of your teammates and you say, what are our cultural norms? They can easily rattle them off. That's what helps everybody, I think, really live them and breathe them every single day. I think we have gotten better and better at making them memorable. For example, you know, I think a lot of companies will have lists of corporate values that can be long, many, many corporate values. We've gotten it down to, you know, we don't want any more than four to six of these cultural norms so that, again, they're easy and, and memorable. I think at Ascentis, we even got it one step better in creating some action words to describe every one of our cultural norms so they become that much easier to remember. And so we've got chase it and crush it and innovate it, sense it, team it. Those things are really easy for all of our team members to remember. The last thing I'd add is, you know, Next to our description of each one of our norms, like I said, chase it, crush it, innovate it, sense it, team it, we have a set of words that describe what does it mean to team it? What does it mean to chase it? And I think you know we spend a bunch of time figuring out what are the right words to use to describe it? What are some of the key elements of that norm? So people really have an appreciation for what the norm is. One of our norms includes the words grit it done. And a lot of people, you know, ask the question, well, what does grit it done mean? Or we have in one of our norms, we talk about racing to conflict. Actually, the racing to conflicts in the team it, you know, which may not be intuitive. So we, we do take time to make sure that these norms are really well defined so that people can really live them out um, in their day to day actions in the business. Okay, well, I'm excited to illustrate in a minute how you got to a place that understanding that cultural norms are really that key backbone or ingredient, but different and, and you know, they're going to be unique to different workplaces. So we'll get there in just a second. I'd love to hear before we go there, Brian, um, if you could share with us as you've built over time, a, a thriving people first organization at Ascentis, tell us a fail forward story or tell us like a great lesson learned in being able to get to this place that, that you've got this thriving company that truly is a people first place. Absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of stories. I, I think in the last four companies Troy and I worked with and we've come in and again, we'll describe more about how we got to our cultural norms and how they exist today. You know, one of the things you want to do is keep them front and center, obviously, in everything you do, your monthly town hall meetings, you want to have recognition programs associated with them, et cetera. And that's one of the first things we do is develop cultural norms and, and then we develop programs to support them. And, and I think one of the lessons learned in the past for us has been that once we have these recognition programs, they're generally peer to peer. So someone may recognize, you know, the peer that works next to them for exhibiting a cultural norm, you know, day in and day out. And 
when you start these initially, you'll get all sorts. You'll get dozens of responses and, and you'll read them. And as a management team, you'd go, I don't know, you know, this sounds like they just showed up for work or this just sounds like this is what they should be doing. So oftentimes what you'll find is that when you start off with cultural norms in your business until they get integrated fully into the organization, you see all sorts of uh, artifacts of people not really fully understanding them. And that just says, look, we need to start with making sure the executive team and the managers are fully aligned and absorbed what these cultural norms are. And I think more than that, it cultural norms um, or alignment of your cultural norms need to get all the way instilled into your performance programs in your organization, your metrics. And so if people understand their job responsibility, I think oftentimes in sales, you say, boy, there's their quota and we know they're doing a great job because they're 110% of it. But what about accounting? What about finance? What about marketing or or product development? You know, what are the metrics associated with them? And, and then how do those relate to our cultural norms so that we know how to recognize and when to recognize people and they know when they're successful or accomplishing the cultural norms or accomplishing above their objectives that have been set forth. So I think that's an early indicator. And we found that in a number of our businesses where we said, look, let's why aren't these being integrated you know, down to uh, the individual level in the organization? I think oftentimes we find as a key learning that people don't understand you know, their true correlation or responsibility in terms of their objectives in the organization. So that's the key ingredient to it all. Absolutely. And you mentioned recognition, and we have been getting uh, some submissions for show topics around best practices to recognize and also motivate and to fight burnout. Those are like our three main topics we're getting suggestions for on the show with the way of the world shifting and people working from home much more. And so I think the way we're going to get there, because I want to understand how you're recognizing your people and how you're motivating your people and just best practices is let's go back for just a second and have Troy, you had rattled off your cultural norms, but you did it really fast. So I'm just going to have you share those five with us. And then Brian, I'm going to have you follow up and I'll I'll ping you here on um, how did you get to these? How did you guys pick those? So Troy, can you recap? What are the five? So as I said, chase it is our first one and chase it. The idea behind chase it is we want people who are looking to, you know, who proactively take action to grow themselves personally and professionally. They're chasing it. Crush it is about setting goals and commitments to your teammates, to the organization, and then figuring out how to deliver to those commitments. It's that norm that we talk about gritting it done. Whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure that I meet and and exceed the commitments I'm making to others. Innovate it is all about how do people in the organization constantly challenge the status quo? How do they look at new and different ways of doing things? How do we constantly say we're never going to become settled with how we do things today being the way we should be doing them tomorrow? Sense it is all about how do we have a team of folks who start with sensing what the customer needs. And for us, it's all about how do we not just, you know, solve to a problem when a customer um, talks to us or calls in with something, it's how do we proactively anticipate what is the next thing that we need to help them with? You know, so since it is all about how do we look around corners or how do we anticipate what it's going to take to, to bring more value or to serve the customer in a better way. And team, it is all, you know, that's probably the most obvious one. You know, how do we work collaboratively as an organization? But I did mention earlier that a big part of that for us is how do we race to conflict? We believe that to create a great team, 
you need a lot of people to bring a variety of different perspectives into conversations. And then you need to quickly race to the conflict and figure out how to resolve that conflict so everybody then ultimately gets on the same page afterwards. I could jump in on, on, on Team It too. And I think all these need to be first and foremost exemplified by the, by the leadership team. And, and just a, a, a short one with respect to Team It is a great example of when we enter our new year and we have our, our business plan and our strat plan, and we're going to roll that out and we keep it very defined and very specific. But we even will have our CFO, for example, is on one of the cultural norms that's directly aligned in count management as the leader of that, of that cultural norms. He's, he's directly aligned with one of the initiatives that we have that's in our account management organization. And, and so we, we show at the leadership team that leaders will cross-functionally manage certain situations just to show that you know we're not we're not in these silos as a, as a leadership team. Literally, team it means you can cross borders and and even kind of stay uh, in that swim lane for a while and help out another area of the organization, even though that's not let's say let's say in your job description per se. So for a leader listener who is hearing these and they're like, wow, those are those are awesome. Like, how do we get there? How would we do something like that? Can you talk about the process, Brian, on this is probably not a, hey, let's plan a two hour meeting and whiteboard this and here's what it is, right? There's a process that you went through to be able to identify these. Can you just give a little insight to someone that's just curious about how to get to a place that you've got attractive cultural norms like this? What did that journey look like? One of the interesting things when we bought the business almost four years ago now and came into it, uh, there were there were three companies that had come together over the past kind of 15, 18 years to combine to make Ascentus who it is today. And as I visited all the offices after we acquired the business and I would go into the, and I did this intentionally at first, I'd open the cupboard where the coffee mugs were and it would have the old company coffee mugs up there was the, one of the three prior names before the companies were bought over 18 years. So we, we, we had a heavy lift and I did that in all three. I was so curious when I went to the next office, I opened up the cover and I could find you know uh, an old company name from 15 years ago and then the next company. So we knew that not only culture, but brand and a whole number of things, it was gonna be a heavy lift for us. So one of the first things we did was we took our, our management group at the time and, and said, look, we, we want you to bring forward one person that you think best would represent Ascentis if we were to send them to the moon. And this is something that I think other companies have done in the past, but we've used this strategy in different organizations. So if we're going to have one person that would represent the organization out of your functional team, who would that person be? And we actually have to name the person. We'd talk about, we'd, we'd ask a series of questions about you know, what characteristics do they bring? What values do they have? What do other people think about this individual? And we themed all of the responses from all of these individuals. And it was about 20 different people that were uh, representative of different functional areas and of the business. And we basically themed all of the those characteristics. And that was a, probably the biggest key ingredient to overall what we wanted to establish. But also as a leadership team, look, we want to come to work. We want this to be a great place to work. We want to have fun. You know, there were some key ingredients that I wanted as the CEO of the business that were incorporated into the cultural norms as well that were kind of like stakes in the ground, if you will, um, that were a part of it. And so the compilation of taking all the managers, taking their information with respect to the people they felt would best represent us and why. So they had their fingerprints on defining our cultural norms. And to this day, those folks will say, look, I was a part of defining these cultural norms, I think is extremely 
importance. And Troy, you talked a little bit ago about the importance of making cultural norms memorable. So if you could give a couple of examples of how are you doing that? And then, you know, like the result of because it's memorable, you know, here's how we see people living them out. So first it starts with what are the words we're using to describe this? And is it going to be easy to remember based on the words we choose? But there are a number of things that we do in the business to remind people or to keep the cultural norms front and center. So they do get ingrained in people's memories. As Brian mentioned, we provide at the beginning of every year what's called our placemat or our business plan for the year. And on every one of our um, placemats is our cultural norms, which is reminding people, here's what our business plan is, but just as importantly, here's the things we value and how we behave to achieve those business goals. One of our recognition programs is called Culture of Excellence, and it's where we recognize folks that are living out our cultural norms. And one of the artifacts that you receive when you've been recognized as a Culture of Excellence winner is you actually receive a plate that is part of a multi-plate display that you can put on your desk. So as you actually walk around the Ascentis offices, you will see the Culture of Excellence artifacts sitting on people's desks, and it will indicate which of the cultural norms that they've been recognized for in that program. Um, So again, creating a really strong reminder. We have in our offices pictures up on the walls that describe the cultural norms or show the cultural norms that we value. So we try to incorporate into our recognition, into a whole bunch of different programming we do, our norms. But just as importantly, we create visuals of those norms all throughout our offices. So again, it's something that's front and center for people to remember um, You know what's important in terms of how we behave at Ascentis. And any other initiatives that you're doing, especially for organizations that have a lot of people working at home, like how to, you know, best practices around recognizing people, any thoughts that you could share? Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, there, there's a number of things you can do. You know, you, you switch from people being in the office. You know, one of the things I do personally in the business for every employee is I do handwritten birthday cards, getting them out there. I mean, uh, we, we have kudos systems in our develop in our development organizations where kudos are being brought forth for, for different engineering projects. You know, recognizing anniversaries of employees, you know, we do send in the birthday cards, for example, we send Starbucks cards for five bucks so they could get a, get a coffee. We try to do updates at least twice. We do twice a week in the evening. We, we give some tidbits on some fun things they can do at home, whether with their kids or with some food or with some you know, health ideas. Another thing we do that's been working out well for us is we do Friday, Friday fireside chats um, where the executive team, myself, we we just get on a call and it's just open mic and it's just a chat about anything. It could be, um, we talked about CarePoint, that new solution we brought to market and, and people will ask how many new sales have we got with that all the way to, you know, when are we going to open the office and let's talk about employee safety. So I think keeping the lines of communication open and, and just soliciting people, if there are some opportunities in the business that you're, you're, you, you've got an open mic and you can solicit folks to, to join in again, from a team perspective, cross-departmentally on, on different opportunities in the business. I, I think you just want to keep people kind of focused on the business, their families, their health, and, and staying in constant communication. A key to engagement is helping people build relationships inside the organization, and especially with many organizations working remotely, it, it's more of a challenge to be able to do that. Any other thoughts on things that you do at Ascentis that help your people build relationships no matter where they are in the country or what type of work they're doing? 
we are very conscious around how do we create opportunities for people to be on cross-functional teams in the organization. They've got their core team, which is usually the department or the, or the team that they work on, but how do we create opportunities for them to be on other teams? So we're always, as a leadership team, looking for opportunities to create cross-functional groups to solve problems, to tackle some new initiative, to even in some cases provide feedback to the leadership team on what are things we could do to evolve and improve some of our you know, recognition programming. Uh, we have a team called the AWE team, which is all about how do we create even stronger and better recognition programs in the business. And it's made up of a cross-functional set of folks. I do think, you know, the pandemic and crisis we're living through does create a unique set of challenges in how you can get people who are now all working very remotely to feel a part of a team. I know that there's a variety of things that people at Ascentis are doing um, or managers and leaders are doing to try to create that sense of community or that sense of team and, and ultimately drive engagement. It can be you know daily standups to get the team together and just talk about what the priorities for the day are or any things that people feel proud in that they've accomplished. I know that we have um, continued to stick with um, some really important um, rituals in our business, which is, you know, we we want managers to be having regular one-on-ones, and that doesn't change with people working remotely. We, as a team, believe that teams and departments should be having regular meetings, you know, like monthly meetings, et cetera, and we want all of that to continue. I know that for my own department, um, we hold a monthly all-department meeting. We actually have a recognition program in there to call out who is going to be the team member of the month, and it aligns with our cultural norms. And that is the feedback I get from team members is that's one of the funnest meetings that they have every month is getting everybody together, celebrating our successes, talking about our priorities for the next month, um, and then recognizing somebody based on their cultural um, norm alignment. So there are a lot of things we're trying to do to create a strong sense of team to, to drive engagement, both in this situation and over time. And Brian, how would you mentor a leader that's struggling to motivate either their team or an individual? Well, I, I think first off, uh, trying to understand what the problem is, you know, why aren't they motivated? Um, and if it's an entire team, I mean, there's probably something more systemic taking place within the team. So I think the first thing to really do is to, to dive in to understand what's going on in the team. You know, why is it, why is there a challenge? Why aren't people motivated? And I, I think if it's pervasive throughout the team, there's, there's, you know, is it a lack of purpose or do they, do they understand how their, their, their daily tasks and what they're doing and how it rolls up to the bigger or broader organizational vision and values and imperatives in the business? So I, I think the key bit, understand what it is first and foremost, before you can try to make a change. And, and, and more often than not, if it's that pervasive, it, it's probably more aligned with, you know, lack of purpose, or it could be that there's this, they're being suppressed in some way, shape or form as a team. And it, it, you know, it could be even the manager, quite frankly, but I think first understanding why, and then figure out what. So you guys have worked together in four organizations over the years. I'd like each of you to share what you're most proud of in the journey. I think there's a few things. Number one, I'm most proud that the, you know, because we have put people first, we have created now several thriving, high growth businesses that have won best places to work awards. You know, they've grown really aggressively because they have great value they provide to the market, but they also are recognized for being great places to work. I'm proud of the fact that I've seen great professional development and growth of the teams we've been in. You know, I love seeing how 
people take some of the things that we've built and turn around and figure out how to in, instill those ingredients into other businesses that that they are now you know leading, running, etc. And I'm proud that you know we have made sure that you know people first is is such a core part of the businesses we are in. You know, Brian and I have been through, you know, more than just this crisis. You know, we actually have spanned a couple of other crises in the past. And and in both of those past crises, we've been able to also um, survive and thrive. And I think a lot of it has to do with creating a people first, really strong culture that, you know, really comes together when you experience challenge. Yeah. And I piggyback on that. I, you know, I'd say, I think all of us just, we spend so much time at work and, 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 People often talk about you spend more time at work than you do with your family, et cetera. And I, you know, largely that's true. And so for, for me, you want to go to work and have it be a great place to work, you know, and you're going to have, you know, bad hair days or, you know, are going to have challenging days. You're going to go through, you know, various crises. Like we've been through dot com together. We've been through the 0809. We've been through COVID. We've been through social unrest. We've been through a lot of challenges. And I think, you know, just by having strong leaders in the business, which ultimately, incorporate the cultural norms. I mean, essentially you've got a true North, you know, you, you, you can count on these folks they are selfless. They hold a rudder that's, that's straight. And, and regardless of, you know, kind of things happening. So bullets in the air, so to speak, you know, no one's jumping in their foxhole and, and people are just continuing to march forward. So for me, it's just, it's just a blessing to see, you know, great leaders come together. I, I really thrive on watching people grow in the organization, you know, having some come in, to let's say lead generation. And then, you know, six months later, they're a, a, you know, a junior account manager. And then a year later, they're a direct sales and, and you watch them personally and professionally grow. And it's similar to that in all areas, whether it's development or accounting, whatever the case may be. So I, I'd have to say the, the, the most exciting thing for me in, in all these years, particularly as I reflect back and, and a lot of really great businesses, it, it's really the people come forward in, in forward first in my mind with respect to just watching these people grow and personally achieve greater and greater things. And ultimately, you know, and maybe selfishly, I mean, we're the benefactors of it as an organization. So I, I think that's, that's the right focus and it makes it a heck of a lot more fun than what other companies might see as their, what they call traditional values. I think if you were to look at, you know, Enron's value system and you were to look at, you know, maybe other, a large company similar to that, um, they would read pretty much the same, but when you have cultural norms that are so focused on the day in and day out working relations of the people inside the organization, I think that's that's super exciting. Brian and Troy, thank you for your partnership to Gut Plus Science. Your commitment to chasing it, crushing it, innovating it, sensing it, and teaming it is living loudly. From the marketing partnerships that I have with your team to the thought leaders who have shared and mentored on this show and just paid it forward with the knowledge that they have to just share and to, to help. We're excited about our partnership and I'm sure that many will get inspired by your words today. As we transition into the new normal at work, it is imperative to start thinking about creating a safer work environment for employees. And for businesses that use time clocks, Ascentis is helping make the transition easier with its launch of CarePoint, a completely touchless time clock experience with features like temperature checks and other configurable symptom prompts, voice command capabilities, and Bluetooth beacon technology to track employees' locations and eliminate the need for cards to interact with time clocks. To learn about how our partner Ascentis helps with CarePoint, 
so you can create a safer environment for your workforce, you can visit www.ascentis.com forward slash carepoint. Brian and Troy, thank you so much. It was awesome to tag team with you guys today and really break all of this down and get to our truth you can act on. Here we go. Number one, take your time getting very clear on the outcome you want to live through the culture you create to be able to select the norms that align with your intended culture. Number two, make cultural norms memorable. Number three, create awards that recognize employees for modeling the cultural norms. And number four, ensure your cultural norms are incorporated into your business strategy. We'll see you next time, guys. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.